As we consider what does it mean to be a spirit-powered people, we don't get nice little badges that suddenly show up on our arm that says spirit, do we? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, that guy over there, he's got the spirit. Look at it. he got the badge right there. Look at that lady over there. She's got it too. It would be nice if it showed up and it was that clear to us, but that's not the way that it works. But what I want us to understand is that when we experience the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are changed. We are different. We become a spirit-powered people when this Holy Spirit is within us. And that is God's calling for us today. The presence and the power of a Hemi is a force to be reckoned with, but even more than that is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the lives of those who have called upon Jesus Christ as their Savior. We, the church, are a force to be reckoned with because the Holy Spirit is with us. Anytime I start thinking about the word power, I go back to Greek class in college, and we were studying, and we learned that the, one of the Greek words translated power is dunamis or dynamis, depending on how you transliterate it. But that's actually the root word from which we get the English term for dynamite. Have any of you ever handled dynamite? I haven't. I've never seen it. I've, I've, I've seen some people blow up some beaver dams with it, though. That's some pretty powerful stuff. You know, it's not, a little, it's not a little snap like a firecracker. It's something big. When the whole, uh, when the spirit, uh, sorry, when Jesus was getting ready to depart to go into heaven, this was a promise that he made to us. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power. Too many of us are satisfied with inadequate power in our lives. Too many times, I as a Christian and many others as Christians have found ourselves in a place where we were satisfied with little to no real power spiritually in our lives. But God wants to do more than that. Jesus promised us power, the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. So let's take a longer look at that. So three things I'm going to tell you this morning. Three big ideas. Okay, first of all, the Holy Spirit dwells among us. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is at work in us. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is at work through us. So let's look back there at verses 16 to 17 that we, we read earlier. And it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Now, if you study English, you'll know that that's all in the, the, the second person you. And a lot of times we kind of stop there and we don't really think it through. Look at verse 17, though. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. I've heard a lot of people talk about this verse and they said, well, you know, the, the, the scripture says that we're the... Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so you've got to take care of your body. And they're talking about physically. Don't eat uh, too much. Don't drink alcohol. Don't do drugs. Different things like that. Take care of your body because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it was always this individual uh, uh, perspective on it. It was always 
talking about the, the Holy Spirit is in me, just me. But what I want to emphasize this morning is that the Holy Spirit does not simply dwell in me. He does not simply dwell in you. He dwells among us, plural, all of us. How many of you got sent home from work and have had to work remotely during the pandemic? Okay, a few of you admitted to it. <laughs> the rest of you are maybe retired or, or maybe you got laid off, unfortunately. I, I hope that didn't happen. But, you know, I've had to work remotely for about three months. And what I figured out is the first week I was like, woohoo, don't have to drive into work, you know. I'm at my own house. I can make coffee in my coffee maker. It was great. After the first week, I was done with it. I wanted back in my office. I wanted to be around the people that I work with. Because a voice on a, um, a speaker and a picture of somebody on a screen does not take the place of a genuine connection with another person. Virtual classrooms. I've done online school before. I don't like it. I don't like it to the point that when I came to Southern Wesleyan University as a student, I packed up and I moved here because it meant that much to me to be a part of a community, to be a part of something bigger than just me. And there are a lot of people right now that because of the quarantine and the pandemic and work from home and school from home, they are figuring out just how important community really is just how important it is to be present with one another. How many of you have the internet on a phone, a computer, a tablet, or something this morning? How many of you? Okay, they're streaming this on the internet. You don't even need to be here. But why are you here? What made you go through the steps of getting up, getting dressed, driving all the way here to be here this morning when you can see and hear what's going on on a screen? Why are you here? Say that again. The body of believers. You want to be part of the body of believers. You want to be present with one another. The presence of another is life-giving. For those who have been separated from a loved one for a long time, you can attest to the joy of being reunited in person with the, person, with the people you love. And I want to ask you this. If other people can bring that much joy and that much life into us, how much more do you think that the presence and the person and the power of the Holy Spirit can bring life into us? The Holy Spirit is to be present among us. And in order for that to happen, something has to exist. You see, God desires for us to be holy people. For the Holy Spirit to be present, we must be made holy. In Exodus chapter 31, the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, you must observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between you and me for generations to come, so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. God's purpose is for us to be in relationship with him so that he might make us holy. In Leviticus eleven forty-five. It says, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. That the command in the scripture is that because of God's holiness, 
We must become holy, and he wants to make us holy. This is the desire of God, and this is the commandment of God. So for me personally, I don't see it as an option. God said, be holy as I am holy. We see God calling upon his people to live up to this standard of holiness, and they would pursue it through the law, but the law was inadequate to make us holy. The law was inadequate to create in us a righteousness that would grant us eternity with God. So he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins, but also so that through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, we could become a truly holy people in him. In the New Testament, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit, as I read to you back in Acts 1-8, that I will send my Holy Spirit to come upon you. What a beautiful promise that Jesus made to his disciples. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And yet we see Jesus getting ready to leave, and he's saying, I'm sending another in my place, and that's the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mike talked about who the Holy Spirit is last week. The Holy Spirit is a person just as much as Jesus is a person and God is a person in the Trinity. He is fully divine. He is an individual just as much as Jesus is. He is a he, not an it. He is not a mystical force. He is God. And Jesus, when he said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the age, he was referring to the Holy Spirit's presence among us. That is God's desire for us. That is God's commandment for us. Be holy. It's repeated in 1 Peter. Be holy because I am holy. That standard still stands today that God desires for his people to be a people who live out holiness. The Wesleyan Church is a holiness movement. Okay, It is a central tenet of our faith. It is part of who we are as a denomination. It is part of who I am as a person. It is my faith legacy from my grandparents to my parents to me, and I am hoping to pass that on to my children as well. It is vitally important. So because holiness is necessary, or, or holiness is necessary because the Spirit dwells within us personally and collectively, light and dark cannot coexist. God cannot be in the same place in your heart where you're harboring sin. There's a lot of defeated people out there that wonder, is God really real? Does he really hear my prayers? Is all of this for nothing? And I believe that the people who are experiencing those moments are experiencing a lack of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And why? Many times it comes down to either ignorance, I didn't know about it, nobody taught me this, or it comes down more often to an issue of disobedience in your life. That there are things in your life that you haven't let go of yet and is impeding the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. 1 Corinthians 3, um, we, we read that in 1 Peter uh, Peter writes to the church and he says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're called to be a royal priesthood. If you go back and you study in, in the, the uh, Exodus and Leviticus and you go back and you study what the priesthood was about and how they functioned, before the priests could go into the holy place, 
He had to be atoned for. Sacrifice had to be made. He had to be cleansed of his sin, or else if he went into the presence of God, he would die. That there was a, an act of cleansing that had to take place in order for him to have that freedom to access the presence of God. The Holy Spirit in us is no different. We have to be cleansed. We are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we still have the choice, even after the day of our salvation, of whether or not to be obedient. And that is why holiness is so important. Our personal decision to either pursue or ignore our own holiness is a decision that has an impact not just on us, but upon the whole body of Christ. Because it says we are being built together into a spiritual house. Every one of us. For us as a congregation, for us as the church universal to experience the fullness of God, we must make holiness a genuine pursuit of our lives. In order to be spirit-powered, we have to be spirit-filled. We can only have access to the Spirit's person, presence, and power through the proper channels. God has chosen His church, not the physical buildings, but the spiritual, to be the place where His presence is found. So as we begin to pursue holiness, what does this mean? It means that we begin to pursue God, that we begin to pray that he would pour his Holy Spirit into us. Mark Wilson, one of my professors at Southern Wesleyan, described it as the process of being fully devoted to God and fully developing in our faith. Okay, That it is an act of surrender that we make unto God. In the Wesleyan denomination, we teach you that sanctification is the work of the infilling of the Holy Spirit where, where God comes into us and changes us dynamically and we begin to have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And it is an act of surrender. As much as we surrender to Christ to take away our sins, now we are surrendering to the Holy Spirit so that we can overcome those things in our life and we can live fully the way He wants us to live. Earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul wrote this, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now as you are not able, for you are still fleshly. For there is still jealousy and strife among you. Are you not fleshly, and are you not walking like mere men? He was chastising the church. He was telling them, in essence, you need to grow up. Have you ever said that to your kids? Men, has, has your wife ever said that to you? <laughs> in order for us to be spirit-powered people, we must grow up in our faith beyond the infancy of our salvation into the fullest measure of Christ in our lives. All throughout the New Testament, we see this standard that is put forward to be imitators of Christ, to pursue Him, to pursue holiness, to know God's Word and to follow it, to continue growing always. And we have to do that individually, and we have to do that corporately. There are congregations and there are denominations right now that are facing tremendous crises, and I believe it is because they have put the presence of the Holy Spirit too low on their list of priorities. 
We have all of this social injustice and racism and sexism and nationalism and all these things going on, and it is overtaking the church, and that's all that we can think about. We can solve those problems through the power of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit must be the priority over those things. I am not saying that those things don't matter. I am saying that the most important thing is that the Holy Spirit dwells among us, His people. I wrote this in my notes. Seek to be a greater part of the body of Christ as you grow in your faith walk. Don't try to do it alone. Walk with those who have already fought and won the battles that you are facing. Holiness is not a journey that you walk alone. We walk it together because the Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in me. He dwells in us. So I told you three things. The Holy Spirit dwells among us. The Holy Spirit is at work in us, and the Holy Spirit is at work through us. So now we're going to talk about that second part, that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. Right now, uh, people are waiting for vaccine, right, for this COVID-19, for the coronavirus. They're waiting for something that can enter into them and work in them to produce the antibodies they need to be healthy. Right? How many of you take medicine? You don't have to raise your hands. How many of you take medicine every day to help keep you healthy? It's not, you don't just take it when you're sick. You take it every day to stay healthy because you need something that is at work within you so that you can be fully alive and, 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 and fully healthy. That's the role of the Spirit. He is at work inside of us. And how do we know that the Holy Spirit is at work inside of us? Well, if you take blood pressure medication, how do you know if your blood pressure medication is working? You put that little thing around your arm and it, you know, it feels like it's going to squeeze you to death. And the numbers pop up on the machine and you go, ooh, 120 over 70. I'm doing good today. Right? Okay, that's a healthy number. And if that's where you're at, then, then uh, you know, of course, your doctor will tell you what your number should be. But that's a pretty healthy number. You know, okay, that's working. How do you know if you have a fig tree or a pear tree? Well, obviously, you can look at the leaves and the shape of it, but how would you really know what you've got in your backyard growing? We had a fig tree and a pear tree in our backyard. Guess what? When I went to the fig tree and I went to pick something off of it, you know what I found? I didn't find pears. I found figs. You know a tree by its fruit. That's a biblical principle. You know that something is working in your life because you see the change that it makes. It produces some sort of uh, observable result in your life. So what is the observable result of the Holy Spirit in your life? There should be something there that is different about you because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus explained this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophet hang on these two commandments. We oftentimes uh, teach and preach and think about holiness and we're talking in relation to sin. We want to be holy so that we're not sinning anymore. Well, that's only half of it. We don't want to stop there. We want to keep going. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is experienced in our lives as we begin to live positively different. 
And the first one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit is that we know the love of God and we begin to live in response to it. If, if there was only one scripture that I could ever know and ever memorize and ever teach anyone, it would be this portion where Jesus says these are the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's, that's the most important lesson I can teach, and that's the most important attribute that I can have in my life is to demonstrate the love of God. If you ever want to know, is what I'm doing right or wrong, measure it against the love of God. Is this something that demonstrates and applies the love of God to a situation? You'll answer a lot of questions when you use that measure. Jesus went on to explain that this love would be the indicator of the veracity of our faith. I had friends growing up that were Pentecostal, part of Pentecostal or Charismatic churches. And they, I would go to church with them from time to time for different things. And when I would go to their church, they would tell me, you, the only way you know for certain that you're saved is if you do these things that we do. And they were talking about speaking in tongues. They said, if you're genuinely saved, you'll speak in tongues like us. You know, I don't believe that. That's not my theology. I don't teach that. Uh, the Wesleyan Church acknowledges that there is the gift of speaking in tongues, but we do not consider it an essential gift. I believed that long before I was a Wesleyan. Let me tell you what the essential evidence of your true faith is. Do you love like God loves? If you want to know if the Holy Spirit is present in your life, if you want to know if you're really saved, you will love with the love of God. That, to me, is the key test of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Are you living up to the standard of love? Not just are you not doing the things you shouldn't, but are you living positively in a way that reflects the love of God? A new command I give you, Jesus said, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can he say it any differently to make it more clear? That's the key indicator that God is at work within us through the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out. Loving like God calls us to, um, love like God calls us to demonstrates it is not possible without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22. How many of you know what I'm fixing to say before I even say it? You know that reference. Galatians 5.22. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is, say it out loud if you know them, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The very first thing in that list is love, but that's not all. It goes beyond just how we love. It, be it begins to make a difference. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside. Who we are begins to change because the person of the Holy Spirit is within us. We begin to experience love that we've never been able to experience. We experience joy when the world tells us there is no reason for joy. So many people are complaining about how terrible 2020 has been. And it's, we're just now in August. <laughs> you know, we've still got time to go. 
But can you experience joy and peace in the midst of this tumultuous world? Absolutely, through the Holy Spirit. Forbearance or patience, kindness. Our world needs a big dose of kindness today, doesn't it? But what does it say about us as a church if we're not kind to each other? Because you all know, church people can be pretty mean to each other sometimes. We have to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit so that we have the fullest measure of kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and something that is extremely lacking today, self-control. I saw something on TV the other day where a guy kept explaining the situation. He kept saying, I can't control how I think. I can't control how I feel. I can't control, I can't control, I can't control. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, you can. It is God that makes us grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was talking in the beginning of 1 Corinthians 3. He said, you're still acting like infants you're still acting as mere men. You're not grown up yet. It is the Spirit that makes us grow. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 7, it is God who makes things grow. God will make you grow if you surrender to Him and pursue Him with your whole heart. I promise it will make the biggest difference you have ever experienced in your life. I can't promise you that it will be immediate. I can't promise you that it's going to be like an ATM where you punch in the right... Uh, combination and out comes everything you want there are people who when they surrender to the Holy Spirit and they begin to serve God with all of their heart soul mind and strength that 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 they, there are immediate changes in their lives and I know people that have wrestled for decades with problems in their life but as long as you are still wrestling and as long as you are fully surrendered God is doing a work within you don't give up don't be discouraged God is dwelling among us, and God is working within us. Take the time this week to ask yourself how well you embody those fruits of the Spirit that you see in Galatians 5.22. Go back and read that. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and say, Do I look like who I'm being called to be in these scriptures? But we need to do that as a church as well. So the Holy Spirit dwells among us, he's at work in us, and he's at work through us. This is my, my last point here. You remember I was talking to you about the Hemis, right? I told you I've driven one. It was my brother's truck. Now, my brother's got a, a Dodge Ram 1500. Uh, it's got the quad cab on it. It's got a three-inch lift. It's got like 35 or 36-inch off-road tires. It's a four-by-four you know, and it's got the Hemi engine in it. So I go out to his house, and he says, here, go to Lowe's and get this and bring it back. So I have to drive his truck. No, you know, I, I was driving on asphalt. If, if I had a problem with that, there's something wrong, right? Now, my brother's got that Hemi. He's got access to the power of the Hemi. Everything that a Hemi does to a truck, it's there. But if my brother was to just walk outside every morning crank the truck up, rev the gas for a little while, and turn it off and go back inside. Is that truck doing any good? Is it accomplishing the purpose for which it was built? No. Now, my brother, he takes his truck, and he lives out in Colorado, and he takes this thing, and he drives off-road with it out into the wilderness, 
And apparently he just goes out and gets stuck and has to wait for a tow truck. That's the story for another day. He's got everything he needs to get out there, but not always get back. I think that's operator error. But you know what? If we've got the Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit is making us a better person inside, and he's changing us inside, what do you think the next step is? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in me, he dwells in us. It is a communal thing. I then begin to, to, to be called to have a positive impact on those around me. That I'm not just revving the motor. I'm putting it in gear, and I'm applying that spirit power, not just to myself, but to those around me, by the calling of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is a little bit later in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says this, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In the church, you'll hear us talk about the gifts of the Spirit. What's your spiritual gifting? And there's many that are listed in, the, in, in uh, Corinthians and Romans and different places throughout the Bible. There's different gifts that are listed. Preaching, teaching, evangelism, the gift of help, the gift of mercy, uh, the gift of prayer. Everyone has a different type of service that we are called to do. God doesn't intend for our holiness in his spirit to be confined inside of us. These gifts are given for the purpose of making a difference in the world around us. A church that simply locks itself in and ignores the people around it is not being a faithful church. A church that builds up gates and walls to keep its community out is not being faithful to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about being foolish and not being safe. But we have to find ways to have an effect upon other people. And you can't do that when you're by yourself. I've had people tell me, well, I can read my Bible and pray and get more out of it than that silly preacher at the church. Well, you might be that smart and you might be that good. But if you're not at church, you can't have an effect on anybody else. You've got to be here. You've got to be plugged in and involved. It's not enough to show up, listen, and go home. You've got to be in vital connection with other people, and you've got to do something. We are given that power as spirit-powered people who have the presence, the person, and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. We will be compelled to love and serve others. Spirit-powered people are those who passionately serve others because of the work that God has accomplished in them. Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 12 to say, To one there is given uh, <coughs> through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the Spirit, to another faith, to another gifts of healing, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and on and on and on. Uh, he goes with this list. And all these are the work of one in the same spirit he distributes to each one. Each of you have a place that you can play in the part of the body of Jesus Christ. These are not intended to be self-serving gifts. The gifts of the spirit are meant for the edification and service towards others. 
spirit-powered people then will be unable to sit by while others are in a state of need. How many of you have met someone in a state of need since this coronavirus began? Anybody? We've seen people who have lost their jobs. We've seen people who have lost their homes. We see people who have become critically ill and can no longer care for themselves or their loved one. We see people who have had to quit their jobs in order to take care of other people who are sick. And what are we doing about it? Are we just sitting by saying, oh, that's too bad? You see, we can sit and look and watch and comment about it, but we will never be fully faithful to the power of the Holy Spirit within us as long as we are inactive about the hurt of other people. The Wesleyan Church was founded on, on, on being a people who were willing to stand up for others, who were willing to do hard things for the sake of others. Are we still willing to do that today? Are we willing to reach into the brokenness of the people around us through the power of the Holy Spirit to make an eternal difference? I hope that we are. I hope that you are. I hope that I am. I hope we are as a congregation, as a denomination in the church across the world. Do you know what 2020 is? 2020 is the biggest evangelism and outreach tool that we have been given in my lifetime. We have a chance to serve one another and to demonstrate the love of God to a hurting world in ways we've never had before. How many churches are now broadcasting the message from their pulpits all across the world freely today that weren't even concerned about it six months ago? How many more people have access to the message of the gospel? Yes, it's very contentious times. But when you have the Holy Spirit empowering you, empowering us, we can make a difference. The Holy Spirit is among us. The Holy Spirit is at work within us, and he is at work through us. Right now. Right now is your opportunity to surrender to the will of God, to pursue holiness, to grow in him, and to grow in your character through the Holy Spirit, and now to begin to serve with a unique powerful gift that the Holy Spirit has prepared for you. Pray with me now. Heavenly Father, your word tells us that we are to be different because of your presence in our lives. Father, this morning we have heard your word, how it described the effects of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that for anyone out there today who has never surrendered to you so that your Holy Spirit could fill them with power, Lord, I pray that, that they would have that opportunity today and that you would listen to the prayer offered up in faith. Father, for those of us who have walked with you for so long, renew our desire for your Holy Spirit that we might be changed within and so that we might be forces of change without. And Lord, as we interface with each other in our hurts and with the world in its hurts, I pray that your presence your person and your power would work through us to make a difference for the sake of your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed.